We are back, baby. Yes. L-A-O-F-C-S Weekly is back. We're going to talk about a lot of things this week. We have the movies opening this weekend. We have Female Filmmaker Friday. And, of course, the best films of 2019 so far. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, everyone. I am Scott Menzel. Welcome to LAOFCS Weekly. I know the show has been off the air for a couple of weeks. We wanted to make this show a little bit better, and we decided to restructure a few things. I'm a little energized today, which is good. <laughs> um, Shot out of a Yes, yeah. I'm like, woo! I'm really, I'm really excited today. And what's really interesting about this new show that we're going to do is that a lot of the stuff is going to be the same, but there's going to be a lot more faces on the show. Because as I've always said about this organization is that it is not about me. This show is about all of us collectively as a a group. No, it's about us as a group. And therefore, this chair is going to be rotating. There's going to be different people sitting in this chair each week. And I will probably pop up like once every month and other people will pop in this chair and around this panel. But... We want to introduce the members here today. We have, of course, the wonderful Nestor Bentancourt right here. Thank you so much, Scott. I'm happy to be here. That's going to be like the new Game of Thrones, you know? (laughs) Who takes that chair? chair. It's going to be like a game of, you know, uh, twisted... Uh, Machiavellian things is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yes, it's my wonderful name is... what you've done with the organization. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It's going to be like the fight to the of, death, like the just red, no dragons, like the red way you know, of uh, you know movie podcasts and stuff. Uh, yes, you can find me as uh, Nestor Cine on Twitter, Facebook, etc., and Nestor Cine on YouTube as well. Happy to be a member. Happy to be here with you guys. And we have. Dimitri. Oh, Dimitri Panos, yes. Brand new member, just announced this week. This week. Thank you. Thank you very No, it's 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 an honor. Uh I had said this before. Uh, you know, I had just quote the great Groucho Marx. I wouldn't want to be part of any organization that would have me as a member. But uh, in this case, uh I, I make an exception because it's such a, a fabulous organization. And to be honest, it's a true honor to be part of it. Uh uh I, I was the your whole thing of diversity uh, and and what it means, I think, to not just the Los Angeles community, but I think to film criticism and film commentary, because it's your organization just isn't the niche about criticism. It's commentary about the industry uh, and what what it what it what it means, what's happening. And I think it should be broadened throughout the entire country should be as 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 accepting. So you accepted me. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be sitting here with with the LAOFCS. No problem. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very proud. I think it's, you know, you know, when we were going through picking members, you know, that we've get a lot of applications each and every year. And I always love the excuse that people get. It's it's always like there wasn't this many of this person applied. You know, there's there wasn't enough Latin people. There wasn't enough, you know, women who applied. And, you know, we're proven throughout this week that we were able to pick one woman and we were able to pick one man. And guess what? All different backgrounds, all different colors. 
And guess what? Because we live in Los Angeles and they're here. Right. Just like they're everywhere in the freaking world. It's not that hard, people. And I, and I love that. <laughs> well, the other thing that I've, I've, I've loved um, since being, like going to the award ceremony is the different voices. It's not, it's, and that all comes from the diversity of the background. It's, it's, they're not, they're not cardboard. It's not wallpaper. Everybody has a distinct, unique voice in how they talk about their love and passion for movies. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm very proud to be a part of it, uh, because I think that together you you gain this respect, but you also you learn, um, and and it helps make people better, ramp up their game in a sense. Uh, and you just can hear these distinct voices, and I think that's amazing when it comes to something that we all love. You know, everybody has a different voice, and they can look at it a different way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Even if we don't agree, if they can broaden the mind and go, okay, I see what you're saying. You're wrong, but but I see what you're saying. But and that to me is extremely important when we talk about something that we all love so much. Absolutely, I agree. So just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a rundown of how this show's going to to work now on, um, we're going to start off with the movie pick of the week each week. And then we're going to go into a rotating category. So this week we're going to be doing Female Filmmaker Friday. Um, There's also going to be the old ones that we used to do, the Indie Spotlight, Retro Rewind. And then we're going to come up with one other one, maybe like a streaming pick of the week or something along those lines. And then finally, we're going to have a special topic, um, something that's going to tie into something that is either going on in the industry this week or just something that seems kind of relevant. And this week, we're going to be talking about the best movies of 2019 so far, because as everyone knows, the end game is coming and that is next week and that kicks off summer. So, you know, Disney has decided that they're going to move summer up. One week every single year now. It's, you know, let me just, I remember when summer used to start around Memorial Day weekend. Right. Which is around the time of my birthday. Then Universal did something very, like, silly uh, when they released, like, The Mummy, which was released on Mother's Day. So that was, like, two weeks up. And then we had, like, the Fast and Furious movies. And then now Marvel started in April. And you're like, what the hell? It's, but it's you're right. Technical quote unquote summer begins now in April. No longer that. Uh, no longer Memorial Day weekend. It's crazy. Not anymore. Um. So let's get this ball rolling. Um. Movies opening this weekend. We have Breakthrough, uh, Family, Hail Satan, Someone Great, Fast Color, Little Woods, and The Curse of La Llorona. La Llorona. La, yeah, so I should have let you say it. Yeah. Say it one more time for them. La Llorona, or if you are from Uruguay or Argentina, it's La Llorona. But, you know, it's your choice. Not La, 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 my Llorona. 
Um, so real quick before we announce the movie pick of the week, does anyone want to talk about any of those films briefly before we announce? Uh, well, I mean, about La Llorona, what can we say? It's a very mediocre film, <laughs> and we continue this uh, trend, you know, we have the, the two country movies, they're very good, and then we have the, the spin-offs or movies that are connected in some way to other films that are just lesser kind of fast food uh, horror movies. And I will give you that this one, at, at least the first 30 minutes, you have some jump scares that they are able to compensate the lack of budget with some ideas and some craftsmanship. And, you know, uh, the same way that James Wan did, for example, with Insidious, you know. Okay. But you feel that the the the... the, the tank of gasoline is empty after the minute 30. And then you have one hour that they're just running around, you know, inside a house, in the dark, trying to kill some time. And the script is not great. The acting is so-so, especially Raymond Cruz, that, I don't know, it's very, very wooden in this film. So overall, it's something that you can see maybe on streaming, and you're going to be kind of okay with it. But overall, it's... it's... And, and let me tell you something. I am the crazy guy that prefers the nan to Annabelle creation. And oh. I, exp- and I Oh, yeah, you, you did tell me that. Yeah. Guy. And I am... And let, allow me to explain why. Because the nan is, is daring to break out from that mall. From let's run in a house with a bunch of people disguised as, I don't know, demons or ghosts for <laughs> an hour and a half... And they dare to do kind of a horror adventure closer to Universal Monsters, you know, I mean, not Dracula, but at least <laughs> you have a, a different scope. You have a different flavor in this universe or constellation. Yes, they move from a house to a castle. And dude, that's awesome. That's, <laughs> they, they, they were from a house to like a condo. Uh, give, like, give, give me a castle <laughs> once in a while instead of running around the, 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 a, a house. And, you know, what's the difference between Annabelle and uh, La Llorona? There is none. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's my point. I'm not saying that the night is a great movie. No. But at least was something different. I was, you know, a different flavor here. Remember how we talked about voices at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, I, I exactly. Mean, I, I, I like La Llorona, well, a lot better than you. I don't think it's a great film uh, by any stretch of the means, but I think its direction and cinematography really save it from being just a screen full of stupid, which I thought The Nun was. Um I, I really felt that because of direction and because of atmosphere and because of the way this movie looked, it delivered some fun, creative scares and misdirects for me. I didn't I didn't think La Llorona was horrible. Uh, I definitely put it above Annabelle and The Nun. Um, you know, and even some of... It, it reminded me of some of those Blumhouse movies. Like, the, the, like, the, like it reminded me of like a Truth or Dare, um, like an Unfriended. I think it's better than those. Uh, and I really do. I, I think that if you go see La Llorona at theaters this weekend, I think you'll find. I think you'll have a fun time. I think it's a. I think it delivers enough. It's not perfect. And again, the screenplay is hampered by some some really. It's it's like a, a box full of dumb. It, it's characters either not saying the things that they should say, um, or doing things that you know. There, there's a lot of you're going the wrong way. 
Um, but that happens in a lot of horror movies. But again, thankfully, I, th- I felt the direction of the movie was really good. And there were some very nice misdirects where you think it's going to be one thing and it ends up being something else. Uh, it, and it's very efficient. It's an hour and a half. Movie begins, it's over, you're out, you, you screamed a couple of times. The audience uh, that I had seen it with earlier this week, they were screaming, squirming, which you, which you want out of a horror movie like this. Um, it's not an it. it. It's not a conjuring. Um, it felt kind of crowbarred into this conjuring universe. Uh, it, it, but for me, anyways, I, I still had a good time. Like, I won't, like, sing its praises. I, I give it the three fingers. I, I give it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was okay. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I did not see it. I instead uh, had my own horror experience last night when I was supposed to go see this. I sat in a car dealership for about four hours, so that was just as much that's fun. All, that's fun. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. That's scary. Yeah, it was, just, it was scary. very scary. Talk you know? about a box full of stupid <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the movie I want to give a shout out to real quick is, uh, I know Nestor actually will disagree with me on this one, which again, I love the now that we have different opinions, uh, especially to kind of kick this off. Um, Family, which is a film that I saw at South by Southwest two years ago, um, and it stars Taylor Schilling, uh, Kate McKinnon, and uh, Brian Tree Henry. Um, really, really enjoyed this film. Um, a nice little comedy that I feel like you don't see that much of anymore. It's a very character-driven film. Uh, The movie focuses on uh, Taylor Schilling's character who basically is this horrible boss who like <coughs> worries so much about work, but she hates people. She can't stand anyone and she doesn't spend any time with her family whatsoever. And then one day she gets a random phone call learning that her brother uh, he, she, he, she needs to come over to watch her brother and her brother's kid because they find out that the mother-in-law is going into the hospital and might be dying. So this, of course, is something she doesn't want to do. And Maddie is this weirdo kid who nobody really like likes or understands. The parents put her in ballet, but she really wants to do karate. And it's it's one of these these films where you see this character, uh, Taylor Schilling's character, who is just so incredibly unlikable and just, uh, you know, says the meanest things to whoever she comes in contact with. And she bonds with this weird little kid and they build this relationship. And I, I think she starts seeing herself in her. And I just thought it was so fun. And the weirdest part of this movie is that. It all turns into a film that's centered around the insane clown posse. They go to the (laughs) gathering at the end of the movie, and it ties the whole entire film together to the theme of family. And I just, I had such a great time with this movie. I thought the dialogue was so sharply written, and I saw it uh, at South By, and then I rewatched it a couple days ago because I did a phoner with Taylor and the um, writer and director of the film. Nice. I haven't seen it. I didn't respond to the material. (laughs) Let's put it like that. Uh, I think it's a very... I mean, it's it's not a subtle film at all. You can see everything coming from a mile away. And I kept waiting for the movie to deviate from this path of, okay, this is a small dramedy. Okay, I have seen that before. Like, I don't know, Little Miss Sunshine. And it wants to be, at times, like... 
like a, a comedy, wants to be like an emotional drama. It didn't work for me in any level, talking about it, especially because of the script. And, you know, as something like role models, I think that is a better example of what this movie could be. Overall, I saw cliches of, yeah, the, the woman that is all about war, that is detached from family, detached, detached from, from kids, and needs to reconnect to, you know, the important things in life, blah, 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 blah. And the actors are, are doing their best, and I think that is a commendable directorial effort. But the, the script is, is it, it reminds me of so many other better films that I was like, oh, sure, fine, but nothing, nothing special for me here. Interesting. My, my one question, and this is gonna, this could decide a lot. But have you become a juggalo now? Have I become a juggalo? Yes, yes I have. No. Show the tattoos. No. That's the sound of fun. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Nothing like that, by the way, at Insane Clown Posse uh, show, if you've ever listened to that music. Um, I don't, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I, I feel like the film feels like, and, and this is why I liked it, it reminds me of a movie from like the 80s and the 90s. Something that felt very much about the characters and less about, like, cheap gags, which I feel like is the face of comedy now. Everything is like, let's up the ante. Let's do, like, here's a dildo. Let's shit in the sink. Let's do this. I like the fact that all of the jokes relied on the dialogue and that they were just so sharply delivered. I mean, there's a line where the the one girl goes, you know, I got this cape from the person at Medieval Times, and... You know, Taylor Schilling goes to Kate McKinnon's a character. You know, I can see your vagina. Just certain things like that where I feel like the dialogue helps build upon the laugh. As upon to nowadays where it's like, oh, look, here's a 10-year-old with a dildo. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Thank but, you. But, <laughs> but, that, but that is also a slightly different subgenre of comedy. Yeah. I mean, I think that you can do better on, on those two different kind of, of of comedy. And I think that this is not the, the best, I don't know, exponent of, of that more subtle, in a way, comedy or less, I don't know, broad comedy that you're describing. And there is a moment that they start repeating the same joke, the joke of she saying something extremely mean about somebody that is right behind her. Oh, yeah. They do that twice in the movie. So I'm like, okay, um, moving on. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. That's what it is. Everyone has different opinions. It's great. Um, and then, so I guess we can announce what the opening weekend movie is in terms of the one that we're going to recommend collectively as a group. And poor Dimitri has not seen it, but I think he's going to watch it over the weekend, right? I will do my best yes. to watch it over the weekend, uh, right after my trip to Disneyland. And can you guess from, from uh, <laughs> Nestor's little hand signals what they are? Happy Easter! Happy Easter! Such a fitting movie for today. Hail Satan! <laughs> we had an interrogation mark at the end, you know? Yeah. Are, is, hey, Satan! <laughs> Baby? Maybe? Um, you and I both watched this last night. A It I heard about this at Sundance. I somehow missed it at Sundance. And I am so surprised at how fascinating of a film this is. You know, a look inside the uh, 
satanic uh, temple and like the people who, you know, fight for their rights. And, you know, I've gotten new, a new level of respect for these, these individuals who follow this because it showcases how the media shows them in such a negative light and they don't showcase or empathize how much of what good they're trying to do Mm -hmm. and how they're just looking out for the other, the people who don't feel like they belong. And I thought that was the best takeaway from this film is that these, these is a, this is a group of people who don't believe with the norms or the way that everything's governed, whether it's under Christianity or whether it's by the government. And they're just, they're fighting back for things that they believe in. And certain aspects of this film, like when they show the Ten Commandments, and then they show like they wanted to put their temple and they create this whole little temple and they want to put it right next to it. I thought that was great. I, I, you know, and that aspect, along with showing all the different types of members, because, again, thinking about this based on the media, you would think it's going to be someone always covered in black, you know, wearing all black and black makeup, goth, emo, that kind of person. And I mean, the people from like middle, middle America that they showed. It just it was just really surprising and it's a movie where I felt like I really learned something. Absolutely. And it's funny because sometimes you, you watch a documentary and you go, I already knew that, you know, yeah. or maybe I saw a special like frontline or something. It's like, okay, I, I, I got it. I think that you really need to do a documentary and spend an hour and a half on this topic to really get what is going on. Because when the movie starts, you just think, these are a bunch of prankers. um, They're just fooling around. And and you can see how the group evolved and they started to become more relevant. And the whole idea of let's challenge dogma, let's challenge the status quo, but... Let's use it in, in, in the most, I don't know, uh, kind of poking, you know, into the, 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 the bird's eye. I say, what, what is the symbol that can trigger everybody? And it's Satan, but they don't believe actually in Satan. Right. It's, it's, it's like they're just using that to promote values, to promote change, and to make us reassess this whole uh, Judeo-Christian mentality of, of how we we see religion in in the world and connected to to the states and this idea of United States as a as a Christian nation. So something like Religious, that documentary oh, that I love that Macarty, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great double feature because what they're doing is like, okay, atheism is boring. You know? Yeah. They it, even said that in the movie. Atheism is not it's not sexy. Yeah. So they are using this kind of fake religion or new religion to show us that, you know what, like um, Richard Dawkins says, there is a very famous atheist, uh, religion trumps everything, you know, when it comes to rights, when it comes to not paying taxes, when it comes to having a, a, a voice in the political discourse. So why is that? Is that good? Can we challenge that? And through this new satanic movement, um, quotation marks, we can see how ridiculous and strange is everything that we accept as normal. And people maybe have heard about this organization because they um, sued Warner Brothers and Netflix because Sabrina, a TV show, 
they oh, had yeah. the statue of you know the devil that it was this, exactly the same design. So they, they had to settle that in court. So they, they have been on the news recently. Yeah, I mean, just going off what you were saying, like, we live in a world, and especially here in the United States, where everything revolves around religion. It's I mean, not just here in the United yeah, States. No, 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 but I mean, it's really pushed heavily here, and especially in politics. You know, I mean, well, yeah. we, we can go back to the Obama days when he was running. You really want a Muslim running this country kind no, of thing? I, I, yeah. I, and I think what's, what's, what's fascinating about this documentary, which so few people ever talk about, is the fact that, you know, as time went on, they just implanted that religion into politics and made it almost as an equal. You know, they, they showed things about how the stuff was printed on the money and how it became part of the Pledge of Allegiance. And I found all this stuff very eye-opening and just kind of part of a bigger agenda that these, these, these people, this group was, like, fighting against. And I, I just really respect, you know, and they're not violent, you know, nonviolent, which is always the way to go. But I love seeing this, and I love people who fight back against, you know, whether it's big pharma, big government, whatever it is. Sure. And to see them do so with, like, just their, their actions and their words. And the fact that they were able to get certain achievements... You know, this is a short documentary. It's it's about 92 minutes, 93 minutes. You know, but just in the movie, they show some of their little achievements. And I thought it was great. Like, they actually got the Ten Commandments tablets taken down. And I thought that was great. So, I really, I really, if you don't think you're going to like this from, movie. From public ground, from the capital of the Oh, States. my God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that... That, that is an important oh, detail. Yes, yes, you know yeah. that the Ten Commandments uh, monument was in a, in a religious ground. No, where, it was, a, where was okay, it? Um, I think it was Oklahoma. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there was one more, right? Yeah, I think that one, they, they, wouldn't, they, they couldn't do it. You yeah. know? They stood up there. But uh, no, I mean, they are provocateurs. And there are things that they do that are kind of over the top. But overall, it's, again, you know, the kind of... Uh, a, a way to show you that at the end of the the day is what you do, what yeah. your actions are. It's not just the the discourse. The only kind of negative thing I would say about the documentary is that you can feel that you know um, the people behind the documentary they are really cheerleaders for for oh, this group. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is no challenge about kind of or even a, a deeper look behind the scenes about the. The taxes or how they they can benefit from being a so-called religion. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a, you know on the on the surface and the stance and what they do. That's my problem. I mean, if I'm just being if I'm just speaking openly, that's my problem with documentaries in general. Like I really would love to see a documentary that looks at an issue and does it from both sides. And I feel like that so rarely happens. There was a Michael Moore documentary that was not directed by him, but it looked at him and Sean Hannity. One time it's called This Divided State. And I thought it was fascinating because it took them both side by side and showed how like they were both equally crazy just because they're just on two different sides of the spectrum. But I really, you know, I'm 
I agree with you on that, but that, and that's my problem with documentaries. Like Leaving Neverland, like this is a movie that everyone's been talking about for the past couple months. I felt that movie in itself was very one-sided. Like, does it hit the point home? Yes, you get it, you know. But it's just so like there's no other side of that story in that movie. And the same with this. There's no naysayers, and I feel like documentaries would be so much better if they actually had naysayers in the movie as well. You know, it, <clears throat> I agree on, on both the points, but, you know, I thought that uh, Michael Moore's recent one, Fahrenheit 11.9, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. actually, I mean, the movie pissed me off, but it pissed me off across the spectrum. Oh, it, yeah. wasn't just, it wasn't just the Trump stuff he had. He really gave it to the Democrats really oh, good. Like, and I was actually surprised. I was sitting, I was surprised, and then I got pissed off even more because... He did point that out. And I do think that even in RBG, I think what was special about RBG is that it showed bipartisanship can work because it showed Orrin Hatch, like someone who would have been completely against this woman, especially today, and how the process worked from a Democratic side to a, to a Republican side, how even Clinton didn't even want her. Um, so... That, to me, was overcoming bounds and how bipartisanship worked, where Fahrenheit 11.9 shows how we've really, really stretched apart and that the Democrats are... You can point a finger at them, too. That's why I think that was one of his strongest films. Because, essentially, he he was so angry at that point that he finally made a movie that wasn't like, yay, Democrats, yay, liberals. He's kind of like, F you guys, you all failed. I'm pissed at everyone. Mm-hmm. And that and that's why I was so bummed that that movie didn't do well. But every we live in Trump all the time now. No one wants to go see a movie about Trump. You know, that's the problem. We all we, we cannot stop hearing about him every single day. And it's Michael Moore and people I think yes. know that he has a voice. They just didn't I don't think that it was necessarily even in many cases reviewed properly because right. it didn't it had the Trump slant. They didn't it wasn't more inclusive. Um, and people could have, I think if people had seen it, they really would have uh, enjoyed the movie. Some people are asking Nestor a question, so I wanted yes. to give it to him. In Spanish, uh, no, some people is uh, like asking about who you are, actually. Who's, who I am. Who's the, who's the guy in, with, with glasses? The guy with glasses? I, my name is Dimitri. <laughs> He was well, late, Scott. He was late, so he, he was, was asking around. Yeah. Okay, but, so my name is Dimitri Panis. So you awesome. can find me on Meet the Movie Press. Yeah. Uh, also on, on the Popcorn Talk Network. Also, we do a show called Anatomy there of the Movie. And uh, I, was, uh, I was honored with being invited and included in uh, Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society, which these gentlemen are a major part yeah. of. Yeah. So that's who I am. Yeah, but D Movies One Seven Zero One. Now I have to Twitter. translate in Spanish because oh. they were asking in Spanish. Oh well, uh, don't worry about it. Okay, it's gonna be fine. Well, <laughs> well, you can translate. Él viene conmigo. Él viene conmigo. No se preocupen. Está está todo bien acá con con Dimitri. Está todo bien. Es parte del clan. I'm just yeah. saying thank you in Greek. Yeah. And actually, this is a great moment to reveal that the organization is actually the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles. Right now. Watch the trailer. Because the movie is what the trailer promises. It's a good time. It's a lot of fun. So it's not like a professorial thing of talking heads. It's, it's a lot of fun. You should watch it.
Yeah, I agree. And someone else was talking about like, I like a documentary as a history lesson. And I agree. That's that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Like I want to learn something when I watch a documentary. But I don't want to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has, you know, can't just be talking. Yeah. And it can't. I, I hate feeling like I'm taking medicine. Yes. Like put it in a way. I look for a documentary. It's it's a, it's a tough line, and I think so. You want to educate an audience on something, but you have to make it entertaining. You don't want to you don't want to beat them over the head, and and you don't want them to feel bored. There has to be a this is a movie, and there has to be a sense of uh, some value, entertaining value. Don't make me feel like I'm taking medicine because I normally wouldn't go see a movie like this or even political documentaries or, or, or things like that. So when I see an RBG or Won't You Be My Neighbor, I come on, I feel like I learned something. And then I come out feeling like a better person for it. And then I can be part of more of a discussion because of said documentary. Oh, so that's, a good that's point. what a documentary, I feel, in my humble opinion, should should do is have you come out being more the wiser and go, next time you're at a cocktail party, go, hey, you know, I heard about this. And Hail Satan. <laughs> so congratulations to Hail Satan for the movie pick of the week. Uh, we'll be tweeting out the image later on today. So moving on to our next topic, um, it's Female Filmmaker Friday. You've noticed this hashtag has been very big on Twitter for the last year. Um, and... I wanted to point this out because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of organizations and just a lot of people in general who are in the industry, we've we've been voicing this concern that we have this lack of female filmmakers. And this weekend there are six movies, whether they're streaming, they're in limited release, uh net you know, on Netflix, of course, um, that are of female writers or directors and that is of course the movie pick of the week hail satan family which i talked about the other south by southwest darling well, who, fast who color is the, who is the director let's give the director okay so uh hail satan penny lane family laura steinow fast color julia hart someone great which is the netflix movie that's coming out today with gina rodriguez uh director jennifer robinson little woods Nina DaCosta, and Breakthrough Roxanne Dawson. Yeah. So there, there's six movies. One of those is a major release. One of them is a Netflix, and the other four are small independent films. And, and, and I have to give the shout-out to Roxanne Dawson for you Star Trek fans out there. She played Belana Torres in Star Trek Voyager. And actually where she became and got her directing chops is uh, you know, Star Trek uh, is, is a show... That especially from next generation on, it really nurtured its cast to become directors. Jonathan Frakes, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil, Roxanne Dawson, LeVar Burton. They have all sat in a director's chair to direct for TV. So uh, being a huge Star Trek fan, I have to give uh, Roxanne Dawson uh, some credit. And I was actually, when I first moved here dopey story but i was actually at her house for a fourth of july party once and i sat with my feet hanging in the pool and not so nervous i barely even talked to her it was my <laughs> one and only time i'm at her house and she was a gracious host but i always give her uh have to give her props for that Belana torres directing breakthrough and an inspirational movie. and for the two releases it's the better reviewed one too so yeah. go for it yeah and at least uh family and someone great both um 
directorial debut. Yes. You know? uh, I saw someone great. I think it's not a great movie. But <laughs> again, it's a commendable directorial <laughs> effort, you know. It's um, like part romantic comedy, part like a debauchery comedy, let's go crazy. <laughs> but when he, when he tries to be more of a dramatic film, especially in those scenes with Gina Rodriguez and like Keith Stanfield, I think that the movie kind of works. So it's a small little movie to, you know, kill some time on Netflix, it's fine. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any, uh, just a shout out, like one female filmmaker that you would recommend seeing their films? There are so many, but if I have to pick one, uh, well, this is tough. You know what? Pick, I can't pick one because I it's, think it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's almost impossible, but yeah. I've got, yeah. Go ahead. I I would say uh, Lucrecia Martel. She's an Argentinian director. She has done, I think, four films now. But his uh, her latest film, Zama, that I think I got here last year, is available now on Prime Video. Uh, it's an Argentinian film. And she has been called the Ter- Terence Malick of Latin America. Hmm. And this film has a little bit of kind of the new world, but it's also kind of a, the mission. It's kind of a big scope, epic in a way. And then the most fascinating thing for me is one of those movies like Roma that you watch <coughs> and you start thinking, how the hell they did that? There are so many things working in the frame. You have so many people and non-professional actors working. The cinematography is spectacular. The action is amazing. It's a kind of slow burn. I mean, it's just uh, two hours long. But if you want to see something like that, that is very impressive, especially when it comes to to the form and the logistic and and a director overcoming obstacles in in, in such a... uh, Deft and confident way. I would say Zama is Z A M A, available now on Prime Video. Awesome. Yeah, I have to, well, you know, I'd very, here are the people that I'd really like to shout out because I think they're, they're pioneers in their right. So uh, I want to talk Penny Marshall, Amy Heckerling, and then Catherine Vigil. You only got one. I know. You only got I, time for one. I know, but I get it. Those are the three that I okay. have to because they really did, you know, Amy Heckerling, Penny Marshall at a time where there wasn't this movement and they were making amazing great commercial movies that were doing great at the box office 100 million plus um i think if you even look at amy heckerling she still today would hold the record for female director at a number one movie five consecutive weeks in a row and that was look who's talking right and then you oh, look yeah. what she did with clueless you look at what Catherine bigelow i would say go see near dark if you can find near dark it's one of the it's a great vampire movie. Uh, and then, like I said, Penny Marshall from Big to League of Their Own. Pioneers before it was a thing to be a, a pioneer woman director. Yeah. They were they were fighting back then to get movies made. They got them made. They were a success. They need their, their, their due respect. Go watch their movies. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I mean, these are some great movies to go back and watch. And then with Catherine Bigelow, she just has such... A great dip from horror to suspense, from Strange Days to like Hurt Locker and and Detroit, so many different kinds of movies uh, that she's done, and I think they're each pioneers in their own right for the types of movies yeah. they've made. 
And I just want to, you know, the person who I want to pick is just someone who I feel over the last two years has really kind of developed this movement and was really the person who kind of, you know, we've always been talking about female filmmakers, but I think the the person who really pushed this envelope and made this a big deal, um, and that, of course, is Patty Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like whenever when Wonder Woman came out, this this started that new conversation again that these these types of movies are being, you know, being overlooked and we're not seeing as many female filmmakers. And now all these studios are announcing like, hey, we're going to have more female filmmakers and things of that nature. And I think Patty Jenkins, even though I love Wonder Woman, I think people often forget she did Monster, which I right. think is so incredible. Uh, probably still to this day, Charlize Theron's uh, best performance, as well as Christina Ricci's. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we, we're we're seeing this nice evolution, and I agree, there's a lot of people who in the 80s and 90s who were completely um, overlooked as female filmmakers. You know, you, you mentioned the probably three of the most popular ones, uh, but there's, uh, I forget the lady's name who did Wayne's World and Black Sheep. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah like yeah, there's yeah. just, there's so um, many filmmakers that, you know, we're we're so blinded to nowadays, and I love that, you know, we're starting to talk about this. I love that every week there's a hashtag going around with that. And that's why I thought it was important to incorporate this into the show because, again, we're, a cor- we're, we're an organization that's all about embracing diversity and, you know, issues that are going on in the, in the media right now. And female filmmakers is a big talking point, and it will be, hopefully, for many years, if not decades to come. No, and, and the great thing about volume is that you're going to have great movies, you're going to have mediocre movies, and you're going to have bad movies directed by women. You know, we have seen them. Sure. But that is no longer the, the thing that a Hollywood executive can say, oh, ha, ha, this proves that women cannot direct a movie. No, because with volume, you can see the whole specter of, of quality. And sometimes Ava DuVernay can do a fantastic film like 13, the documentary on Netflix, and a bad movie, in my opinion, like A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. And, and, and that happens to male directors, and their careers are not destroyed because of that. They're able to, you know, get more offers in the future. So I think that is great, and I think that with time, if the trends this trend continues, we are going to be able to no longer need to do what we are doing, to have two separate categories for female director and male director until we get to that playing field, you know? We need to do that to have people recognize, and it is a crime that after so many great films directed by women, last year, pretty much none of them were part of the mm-hmm. uh, award season. Agree. Right. You know? I agree. So, fingers crossed, and the more the better. Absolutely. Penelope Spheris. Yes. Uh, Wayne's World. Yes, and another one, but again, I think the important thing, too, is back then... Mary Lambert. <laughs> Mary Lambert. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Yeah, more, but, more. But again, like, these people, like, this wasn't a thing back then. Right. And nobody gave it a second thought. Like, it was almost as if they were, in a sense, on an on an equal footing. They had to fight, like Penny Marshall had to fight to get League of Their Own done, right? But it wasn't a thing. Like I didn't. Nobody went. Oh wow, Wayne's World was directed by a woman. Oh, oh wow, Amy Hercule, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You went because it was a damn good movie, right? And you were entertained. You're right about Patty Jenkins. She moved this needle, and I would like not the inclusivity of having a separate category like Best Female Director, it should be included in Best Director. It shouldn't matter what the sex is. 
you're a damn good director, you made a damn fine movie, you should be part of the conversation, as, uh, part of the conversation and nomination. Period. Yeah. Doesn't matter. We shouldn't, let's like tr- not box this up. It doesn't matter. You made a good movie. You deserve to be there on your merits, regardless of your sex. And I think females can have a great voice in horror, comedy, everything. At the same time, you need to expand the number of uh, nominees. Because if you have just five nominees at the Academy Award for director, that's going to be extremely difficult. If you have ten best pictures... Yeah. I'm not saying you have to have ten, but I agree with that assessment, too. I think it would make things better, uh, more efficient for the Academy by adding... Make it six. That's all. Something yeah. like that. I yeah. agree, 100%. You know, no, I'm just waiting for you. To... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got many things to say. I know, but I know, I know. know. <laughs> Lenny Ramsey, Chloe Zhao, uh, Nikki Caro. Nikki Caro did McFarlane yeah. USA, a fantastic film with a <clears throat> Latino cast and Latino story. For I think it's a better McFarlane Disney, was, that Disney was a drama. Good, that, that was that such was a sensational. Good I mean, she has really done so was. many great movies. So, yeah. 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 So, so we're gonna. This is going to be a recurring topic here, and there are going to be others who are going to share their thoughts on this uh, in the weeks ahead. So, stay tuned to more episodes. Um, but now, let's do our special topic of today, which you know we we opened at the beginning of the show talking about Avengers Endgame. Uh, we are all seeing it. Uh, I think we could just reveal this. We're all seeing it on Tuesday, nine a.m. Uh, embargo lifts at three p.m. Uh, you can check out Nestor's review will be up. My review will be up. Uh, Dimitri, you, you're, have you'll, you'll have something up. I'll, so yeah. and we're, we're going to give you our reactions right now. No, <laughs> something that we didn't say. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, but before that, we want to kind of talk about like 2019 so far and the movies that kind of came out. I'm going to make this a rule that unless the movie came out at... Um, Sundance or South by that actually played in an actual theater. I cannot include those in my picks or if anyone went to a film festival because I feel like that's not fair to bring them up because they're not officially released yet. Um, So uh, let's do maybe like two or three each. Uh, Nestor, let's start with you. I don't have more than three, so... You don't have more than three? <laughs> I mean, best movie so far. I know, there's, and it's, uh, it's been a, a yeah, rough year, I, I feel have, like. I have a short list. There are many movies that I like. There are many movies that say, you know, that's a solid entry in that genre. And then there are a bunch that I see great half of a movie it's like <laughs> hey that was great until everything went to hell in the second half so for yes. me the number one is clear is uh, Hotel Mumbai I really enjoy Hotel Mumbai yes I think there is a it's a master class on um, uh, tension of a thriller survivor thriller but it's also done with a very respectful um, I when when you're talking about uh, another uh, country, another culture like India, um, is the opposite of that movie uh, No Escape with Pierce Brosnan <laughs> and Owen Wilson. So I, I I think that the movie is amazing. I'm sad that the distribution company they just kind of dumped the movie, but if you see it in you know home release or something, look for it. Because you're not gonna be disappointed. It grabs you from beginning to end. And then, you know, in a in a kind of far distance, I can go with, with bigger movies like Shazam, for example. I had a great time with Shazam. It was a mix of 
Amblyesque sensibilities and it had action, it had heart, it had horror. So I, I had a great time with that. And then, uh, again, small, solid movies. We were talking about female directors. Uh, the Mustang, oh. direct, uh, directed by the French director uh, Lord Delmont Tonnerre. I think that is pretty good, especially when, when it comes to, to acting as well. Better than what I would say. So, was that? It's better than how I would say it. Yeah, and all is true from Kenneth Branagh. I think that is a it's a great play. That is also a very delightful movie, especially when you have great actors like Kenneth Branagh, Johnny Dench, Ian McKellen as well. So, you know, I, I end up with with those uh, films and parts of, of other films. I have a longer list talking about biggest disappointment and worst movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. How about you, Dimitri? Um, you know, my, my, my... It didn't come until February for me um, when I really saw some movies that I actually really started to get into. Uh, and, and two of them were released on the same day, uh, and I got to see them prior. I really had a... I had a great time watching Lita Battle Angel, I thought, spec I thought from a spectacle standpoint, it delivered. I saw it at uh, at a preview at a, in a Dolby AMC Dolby Theater in 3D, and it was. I thought it was amazing. Uh, and then that same weekend came out. Happy Death Day to you for me. I, I well, for me it was equally as fun uh, if, as the first movie, and I love the direction that they they didn't repeat themselves. They 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 tried to be original. Uh, and then uh, How to Train Your Dragon uh, 3, um, The Hidden World. This wraps up a series that, in my humble opinion, just got better as it went along. And each movie had its own self-contained story. But yet when you put the three movies together, there is a beautiful, wonderful arc and something to be had from, from it's, it's on the level of Pixar to me. Um, and I thought that they did a really fantastic job. You mentioned Sazam. I'm going to mention for me Captain Marvel. Uh, I really enjoyed that movie more than I thought I was going to. Um, I thought Brie Larson, the cast, was was great. It actually has made me more excited to see Endgame. Um, so those movies right there are movies that thus far this year I've just had a really great time, been really thoroughly entertained. Cool. By those. Um, I'm going to borrow probably some from both of your lists. Um, uh, one that I want to, you know, give a shout out to that I feel like has gotten zero love whatsoever is, of course, Unicorn Store. Um, just I feel like with Captain Marvel and Avengers, they just decided that Netflix was like, eh, we're just going to put it out in the middle of the two and we're not going to promote it. We're not going to do press days. Can I say this about Unicorn yeah. Store? I felt it was a real shame. That it wasn't picked up by an A24. Me too. Or a Neon, or a Bleecker Street. Uh, you watch the movie, it's quirky, um, has a nice messaging to it. Uh, there was no reason why, and I think more people would have talked about it had it gotten a theatrical release. I agree. So I agree. I was, I mean, I was... Found it to be shame. The, the fact that, you know, A24 didn't pick up this movie is bizarre to me, because it kind of fits into, the, like... The type they release, they release like a movie, at least one or two movies a year that fits sort of in this genre. I would feel absolutely, and I was shocked that they didn't pick it up. But I, I really, I saw this. God, this was like two, maybe three years ago, at Toronto, and 
I remember loving it. And, you know, there was this announcement of a production company that Brie was starting with some other people about more female, again, more female filmmakers and storytellers, you know, and, and just this kind of see this movie kind of swept underneath the rug the way that it has been. It, it's been very strange. And I know that Brie's new to the whole Marvel universe. So now they need her for everything now to build up her character, and especially with how you know, much money the movie has made at the box office, Captain Marvel, you know, I realized that she didn't have much time to promote this, but it's kind of a shame because it was her first baby, you know, it's her directorial debut, she didn't really get a lot of time to really celebrate that, she's kind of doing all these big budget movies, right. and, uh, you know, I know she's she's a big fan of independent filmmaking, so I was a little bummed by that. Um, I have to talk about Hotel Mumbai, which I do think is... It's probably the best movie of the year so far. Really? Yeah. I agree? Yeah. It's it's just, it's so tension-filled, but it's so, it's so horrifying. It's really, it, it, you know, a lot of people use the, the, the term of all time, ever made. But I can't remember the last time I was in a movie where, like, this literally felt like a real-life horror movie. <sighs> knowing that these people, like, this event actually happened and that these people went through this, the families and... The way that they show these these terrorists, you know, they just come in a room and like, boom, just kill. Like it's like, it's they, they don't hold back in that movie. And I just thought that's what made the movie so incredibly powerful. Plus, they built up all these like little tiny relationships that you centered around, and all the characters get separated at one point in time. And you're just you care about every single one of them, which is very rare for a movie like this. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you're like, oh, I like that one group, but I don't like this other group as much. But this one, you felt really. Uh, you felt sympathy for every single person involved, and I thought it was great. Um, another one that I want to give a shout-out to, which I feel like a, no one saw, was The Public, which I really liked <laughs> about the, uh, the, the their library. I think it was in Chicago. And uh, this talks about, like, the homeless population and, and the, how we forget what the, pub, what the public library stands for. Um, hmm. Really great film, uh, overlooked. Um, and then I have to jump off on you, you guys' bandwagon with um, Shazam. I saw Shazam three times. Three? Three times. I, I think this movie has great rewatch value. It's a ton of fun. Uh, it, it's probably, you know, I, I, I really do love uh, Wonder Woman, but I think it actually is. Of the new DCEU movies, I actually think it's my favorite. Um, and then I, I did, I saw Captain Marvel twice. Uh, I want to say that, like, I felt differently about it both times. Like, it was weird because I really liked it the first time. And the second time, I actually liked it a little more. But it was weird because I liked it, the the, uh, the acts differently. Like, I felt like the first time I watched, I really liked the first, like, first act. Mm-hmm. And the second time I watched, I really liked the second act. And it was it was bizarre to have that because usually, like, when you watch a movie, you know when everything's coming, when you rewatch something. But... I was impressed that I, I enjoyed it, but I think of the two. I, this might be a little bit controversial thing to say, but I do think that Shazam is a little bit more in terms of if you're going for an entertaining film. I would say Shazam's a little bit more entertaining with more rewatch value. It's not controversial at all. No. It's not. No. 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 Okay. No. All right. Uh, Wait. There is. I have to. I sure. forgot. Speaking of documentaries this year, uh, another movie that I have to add onto that list is Apollo Eleven. Oh yeah, Apollo Eleven to me, uh, you know, growing up in the space era and, and everything, you know, all, are a lot about Apollo Eleven. But this documentary, number one, they released it in IMAX a week before 
Marvel came out. It was the only reason they were able to get IMAX screens. And it was as if I'm watching this, it was a time, it's a time capsule movie, but it was as if I was watching it with new eyes. The remaster, uh, the remaster of the movie, it looked pristine, it was beautiful to watch, and it captured the heroism and the pride that was happening of this exploration. So everything that First Man got wrong, <laughs> this movie truly corrects because they weren't a bunch of angry men going up in space and it was their job. They really were proud to be doing what they were doing and they were the best of the best to be that first people landing on the moon. And I thought the footage was fantastic and I walked away uh, feeling as if I did from like the right stuff. I really felt great about the whole space race thing and much it was a much different much different feeling than when I walked out of first man and I was pissed. I was like, Jesus, but so I do highly recommend Apollo eleven. Cool. I wanted to go back to the public, Ashley, my wife, uh also the vice president of this organization, uh mentioned that it was not Chicago for the public, it was Cincinnati. And I, I feel like I didn't give that movie enough love, but uh Emilio Estevez dr- directed and wrote that film um, and it has a great cast that includes Taylor Schilling and Alec Baldwin as well. Mm-hmm. So if you get a chance to see that, definitely recommend. That? I, I, I have I have the screener at home, and I need to watch it as soon as possible. But yeah, um, I, I want to see it. The movie, I, I saw a trailer because, you know, we, we get offers sometimes to, to get a screener. So I, I saw a trailer and said, yes, this looks very good. So it's on it's on my list. One thing about movies that have family in the title, I want to be like a small dramedy and work very well. Fighting with my family, to me, it's way better than family, for example, this week. So it's not one of the best films of the year, but it's solid in its yeah. genre. And talking about animation, you know what? I like Lego Movie 2 better than How to Train Your Dragon 3. Really? I mean, they're, really? Both, they're wow. both good. There is something that is spoiler. In Lego Movie 2, that they're talking so specifically, specifically about what is going on with young people and young men online right now, that I haven't seen another movie tackling this problem with alienation and resentment that is going on online, how, and in, in the way that Lego 2 does it. So fascinating. Fascinating. I'm, I'm very yeah. fascinated. Me too. Me Many too. voices. Me too. Wow. Uh, I, I mean, I think this was a great show, just just if not for anything else, for the different viewpoints today. Well, and for the different movies. And for the yeah, different movies. A lot movies, of these movies aren't really, have been talked about as, as much public. Um, Hotel Mumbai. Uh, you had mentioned another, you know, Hail Satan. Movies that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about uh, that hopefully that I know... When I talk about movies with people, uh, Scott, you know, I do a show with you every week, and, and Simon, sometimes I may not have seen it, and I get inspired to see it. It's As a movie fan, that's what you want to do, and and uh, you, you, you come up with your own opinion. Uh, Lego Movie 2 and How to Train Your Dragon. Wow. That's amazing. That, that's, a, that, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. But okay. And The Nun. Don't forget about The Nun. And The Nun. Yeah, and well, the, the Nun. The, the, the Nun. <laughs> So, adios mio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it and double feature. Wow. 
Uh, so for next week, I will ne- not be back. Uh, so there'll be a different host here, and that host will be Kit Bowen. Uh, she will be joined by Terrence Johnson and Mark Pessis. Uh, they will be talking about Avengers Endgame and all Marvel next week. So if you're a Marvel fanboy or if you love comic book movies, tune in to next week's episode because it's all about Marvel, baby. So we talked about all independent films this week. Next week, it's all big budget spectacle. So tune in next week for that. Um, Dimitri, let's start with you. Where can they find you? Uh, well, you can find me on uh, Popcorn Talk Network's Meet the Movie Press, hosted by Simon Thompson. Uh, you're a regular as well. Also, Anatomy of a Movie. It's a show that really takes a deep dive into movies. It's, it's, it's far above and beyond your just review show. We really do talk about the production, about costume, about score, about writing, direction. Uh, and this is on top of a review. So whether we like a movie or not... We still give the merits to what it took, that collaborative effort. So, and you can follow me on the Twitters at DMovies1701, please. And uh, again, my my deepest thanks for LAOFCS uh, to inviting me into this this amazing, wonderful sandbox. Thank you. You're welcome. I run the bilingual uh, movie news website called DesdeHollywood.com, but I also have my Spanish language YouTube channel when I do reviews, analysis, etc., etc., uh, you can find me as Nestor Cine, and that's the way you can find me also on social media and at Nestor Cine on Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc. Very nice. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. You can go to WeLiveEntertainment.com, and of course on Fridays you can catch me at Meet the Movie Press right here on the Popcorn Talk Network. So I will see you in a few weeks. Uh, please comment. Please chat along. Um, Feedback is so incredibly important in the next couple of weeks. We want to know how this new flow is going. We want to know how you feel about our members. Uh, Share your thoughts. Share your opinions. Share this video. So thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.